Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Broadcasting to a worldwide audience since 2014. You're about to experience raw and real. And now, here's your host, C.J. Ripka. What's up, Ron Real Nation? CJ here, and thank you for joining me for another episode where we present the Podcasters Guild podcast. My guest today was Gary Leland. That's right, the Hall of Famer himself. Check out this episode. It was absolutely epic. I tell you what, I, I respect this man so much, and I was a little bit nervous. I will admit, I was a little bit nervous going into this interview, but once we got into it, it was pure gold. And you talk about podcast royalty. This man is it. He is the real deal. It is my pleasure to welcome Gary Leland into the guild. Well, you're you're in, uh, let me see, Arlington, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, I, I used to live in Arlington, actually. Um, I'm from uh, Saginaw. Oh, okay. When I saw that you're uh, from kind of the same neck of the woods, I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's pretty cool." I didn't realize uh, podcasting was as big as it was down there at the time I was there. It was pretty. Matter of fact, we had a pretty active group here in 2005. Yeah, uh, I remember someone. I can't remember who it was, but someone in the group said, "Hey, let's all meet at Stone uh, in Greenville one afternoon at four, and I bet we had 25 people show up." So what brought you into so, it originally? Um, well, I did a lot of tech stuff. I started building websites, e-commerce sites in 96. So I had a lot of people that worked for me while we were building these sites. And I think I received a blab on, uh, not a blab, that refers to the new blabs, <laughs> an email, a marketing email I subscribed to, and it had a paragraph in it about a new marketing thing coming out of podcasting. So I said, hey, to one of the guys, this is a new thing called podcasting. We need to get on the stick on this. And uh, within a month, we had a uh, podcast directory and we had a podcast. So I just meant for him to get a podcast. I really didn't plan on him doing a podcast directory, but he was a hard worker. So what was that first, uh, first few, I guess that first year like? Was it... Was I, I started in 2003 with a, a podcast. Yeah. Man, I remember when I came home, we had the director, and I remember when we got our 50th podcast. And I was like, pretty, oh, Kathy, we got 50 of them today. You know, so it was, it, it wasn't a lot of them to choose from. No, there yeah. really wasn't. Nobody knew what you were talking about if you said to wear a podcast. I mean, nobody. Well, for the anywhere. most part, most there's a lot of people that still don't know, but it's it's getting to be a little bit more common yeah, nowadays. No, but a lot better than yeah, it's a lot better than it was. But you know, in 2010, I was speaking at Open Camp in Dallas, and uh, I went up to the 7-Eleven with my video camera. I got in and I did a video. I interviewed him. I interviewed people coming up to him. I did a poll asking people coming up if they knew what a podcast was. I asked 100 people. And out of a hundred people, one person said they knew what it was and they were wrong when I asked them to describe it. 
So, <laughs> and that was just six years ago. Is it still pretty common that people th- uh, believe that iPod invented the podcast? I don't know if it's not. I knew people at one point did. I've heard many a person say, thanks for Apple for inventing podcasting. Because <laughs> that's usually the one I, I get is when I'm talking to people. Hey, yeah, it, well, if it wasn't for the iPod, there would be no such thing as a podcast. And they say, well, no, that's not really true. Then you go into the whole story about Let's how, say if there's no such if there's no such thing as a portable media player, there probably wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, but, I'd still be uh, audio blogging. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Adam invented that because he wanted to hear his, wanted to hear his shows on his podcast, <laughs> you know, so on his iPod. But I'm sure if he didn't have an iPod, he would have had some other type of MP3, MP3 player. Now, you you started off with a sports podcast, right? The, the Fast Pitch radio right. show? Our first podcast directory was a sports podcast directory. And our first podcast was a sports podcast. It went with directory. Most people don't even know about that. They just know about Podcast Pickle as being the directory because that's our second directory. We made that one in maybe February because, you know, can if you can imagine that no one podcasts and there were only 50 podcasters in the world, can you imagine how slowly the sports podcast directory was filling up? <laughs> <laughs> Did you realize it at that time that it was going to grow this much? Um, I don't know if we really thought about how much it would grow. I knew it would grow. But I don't know if I knew how much. I didn't know now sports podcast directory would be a good thing to do. There are enough of them. You know, but when there's only a few hundred sport, uh, podcasts completely in the world, you know, it takes a while for just going with one genre to make. We had, but at one time we had sportpodcast.com, we had podcastpickle.com, we had churchpodcast.com, and sci fi podcast.com. And they were all podcast directories. So the church podcast just had religious podcasts on it. The science fiction, sci-fi podcast just had sci-fi, science fiction on it. And of course, sports podcasts just had sports on it. And then Podcast Pickle had every type. It was a complete directory. So we had niched it down. I've always been a niche type of guy. So we had niched down the podcast directories even. <laughs> so those podcast directories are kind of like the the genres that you see when, you, when you're clicking to look and yeah. search now, right? And right, but if you went to church podcast, uh, which is the best example, I guess you could say, you didn't have to worry about seeing things that might offend you as a religious person. You know, you wouldn't see Don and Drew on there, for instance. Right. Your kids couldn't accidentally find Don and Drew, you know, which at the time was the most offensive podcast around. <laughs> you know. When I started in 2003... It was just put out to the South Dakota National Guard. You couldn't download it if you were not a member. Were there a lot of those styles of uh, uh, podcast directories out there where you had to subscribe to that one and you could only get it if you're like maybe a member of this company or organization or this group? No, not that I'm familiar with. But then again, I probably wouldn't remember those groups. I don't know what you're... I'm confused on your 2003... Uh, statement there. Okay, so Adam didn't invent podcasting till middle of 2004. Well, the, in 2003, the South Dakota National Guard had their website. They had an interguard communication where they had put out a blog or things like that. So what they did is they put an audio file. It wasn't quite like a podcast because it didn't update itself. You didn't upload it the same way. Oh, but they okay. attached an audio file well, to the blog. You 
that's what yeah well that's what confused me because yeah. yeah that that's what makes a podcast is the fact that it updates with new episodes right, right without that it's not a podcast so okay yeah no we just we attached the audio file to the blog so you could listen to the blog versus having to read through it is really what what it was right right so that's that's what I was the only way you could get into that though is if you were a member of that South Dakota National Guard and you were getting that I, I delivered to you. That, I would assume that's all there was until until two thousand four. Until two thousand four, yeah. And then that kind of opened up the world to a whole new a uh, whole new atmosphere of being able to consume media. No slowly. Yeah. It opened up. So did you think at that time you were going to be as instrumental in the growth as you are now? Um, no, no, not by any means. Um, it was just another way to, I'm real big on creating media to do my advertising on instead of using advertising on other people's media. And it was just another form of media for us to move into. So, so, this, so it yeah. was really just a form of, you had the sports store at that time also, or was, did that come later? Yeah. No, I had a sporting goods store at the time. I started that in 2000. Okay. And then the the women's fast pitch softball, how did that play into that? Well, that was my store in 2000. Um, it's just, I mean, my store is a softball store, basically. I had two kids that played softball. You know, we were the uh, 14 under and 15 under state champions. And so we were uh, pretty good at softball. So. I started the online store helping get equipment cheaper for my teams at four teams. And uh, that's how the softball store, our business started. It was just uh, hoping that people would see my online stores and would sell me equipment cheaper. And then I could put that equipment on the stores, plus my teams could buy it cheaper. Oh, wow. No. I, I really had no, no idea that would become the bulk of my life's work and income. Yeah, because that's really kind of pushed its way in. I mean, I, I read where you're going to the College World Series, and I mean, that's that's pretty exciting yeah, to, I mean, to be recognized that way. I've been in the press pool at College World Series now for maybe six years. I'm just guessing. I probably, I mean, it's not been confirmed 100%, but I probably will be, I'm going to say the first. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm going to guess I'm going to be the first true podcaster to cover the Olympics as press in 2020. Now, I know there are other shows, like ESPN shows that have podcasts, but I don't consider that a true podcaster. Um, so Olympics just voted in two weeks ago, softball being at the 2020 Olympics in Japan. So I've already been told by two presidents of two of the sanctioned bodies, I won't have any problem getting press passes. So <laughs> I assume you'll see me in the dugout or uh, down there on the field during the 2020 Olympics. That's pretty amazing. I mean, just the opportunity to uh, go watch an Olympics, but to actually participate at that level where you're going to have access to all these athletes to be able to talk to them and interview them and things like that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, like I said, it's not 100%, but it's like, you know, the president of International Softball Federation and the president of ASA USA Softball both told me a few months ago that if it got voted in, to contact them and they take care of it. So, I mean, I had the president of two associations, two of the three, I guess the Olympic Committee is the third, 
but two of the three organizations that are involved with the softball and the Olympics have told me to act and have press passes. So I'm assuming they knew what they were talking about. Well, you would think that at that level, they would, they've kind of figured out the, that terminology after a while. Yeah, I would think so. And no one covers softball more than I do. And I put out more uh, information at the College World Series than ESPN. I mean, if you took their games off, which they do have the seven inning games, they they would uh, with that they probably have more total softball content as far as uh, articles, blogs, and things like that comes out. And interviews, I put out more than them probably. Now, speaking of content, I I've actually come across your path about a year ago maybe a year and a half ago but i didn't realize it and it was with the cranky coach where did that where did that concept where did that idea came from uh actually yeah i'm not a very good person at inventing the wheel but i'm real good at uh changing the hubcaps and tires <laughs> you know on the rims. and i'm going to call that one of my tire changes i saw somewhere john c devorick did the cranky geek <laughs> and just the name, when I saw that Cranky Coach came into my mind. That's where I got the idea from. So I started the Cranky Coach, and that was just a fun show. We only did like maybe 10 episodes, but uh, it was kind of, I had a hard time getting my accent down the same because the Cranky <laughs> Coach, you know, he talking like this. The coach don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I always had every episode, if you really watch it, his accent is different on every episode. <laughs> you know, that- I never could. I, you know, I never even picked that out. I, I, I just, it just, the cranky coach just talked the way the cranky coach did because he had something to say. And the more animated, the more excited, maybe it just changed up. I don't know. That was really, it was such a great, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, great I never concept. The next, the next week I'd do it and he said, that was but, such uh, yeah, a, we, the cranky I still have that. Uh, actually, I still take that, the, his whole outfit. Is in a small shoulder bag that I still take with me when I go places. If I go to the College World Series or do a <laughs> softball, I hardly, I don't think I pulled it, his outfit out of the bag in six years, but it's with me. One day I'll pull, one day I'll pull it out and do some. That will hit me and I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to come out during the World Series and just do a clinic or something as a cranky coach because that would that would just totally blow people or even just a, a podcast interview with the cranky coach that would, that would uh, blow people's minds no. yeah i've thought of um you know because now i know most of the olympians most of the people who participated in the softball olympians i, I know most of them uh, on a personal basis and i've thought about like when i'm around a couple of them have him out and asking them hey we need your help here cranky coach you know, his name is Victor Eus. <laughs> yes. If you put Victor and Eus together, you have Victorious. You know, and he's got a Facebook page, Victor Eus. And you, you can't have a victory without Victor, you know. <laughs> that was, that's, like I said, that was an absolute genius play on that. I, I, I love it. Um, I showed my daughter that stuff and they, they just laugh. We have a good time with it. Now you've got what, um, you know, I can't even count how many shows uh, that you've done. Uh, I think, what is it, seven, eight, nine, concluding your video shows? Is that right? Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know the count. Um, we've had a lot more that have pod faded, that's for sure. Uh, one time back in 2007, I used to claim to be the, the biggest pod fader on the planet. Because you know, I had so many shows I just did for a few episodes and got bored with. I've, I've done that myself where I've had something I thought it was going to be great and it just kind of went nowhere. 
How does that process go? When do you know for yourself? When do you know that th- this isn't going to work? This is just done. Not when I'm bored with it. I mean, I don't do things for stats. I don't even look at stats. I haven't looked at stats in 10 years. I don't care what my stats are. I just do things because I enjoy doing them. You know, uh, on the case of the softball shows, you know, I can see the results because we give a discount code. So those shows, you know, you see people buying stuff with a discount code so you know it's working. But like other shows I've done, I just quit doing them when I get tired of doing them. Like the podcast Pickle Show, I quit on episode 50. You know, as a surprise announcement, I had a huge audience. I just got tired of doing it. We had a show, Pickle Tips, was on how to use Podcast Pickle website, and I got tired of using that one. So most of them that I quit, I just got tired of doing. Today in podcasting, I did it with Dave Jackson, Paul Coggin, and uh, Rob Walsh. I think we probably were the first podcast about podcasting. And I think we all just got tired of doing that. You know, so well, it was a, I like that show. I'll admit that was that's a really good show. Uh, we got to go back and listen. It's hard those. to get off together, though. The I do a daily show called Teacup Daily, and it's sometimes it's a struggle just to get two of us together, let alone four of you guys. Uh, it, it was a good show. I like listening to it. Now, the Gary Leland show is that your 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 core show now? No, it's just a show. What about a core show? <laughs> Uh, it's a show I'm kind of promoting now. Um, but, yeah, the Gary Leland show is on its third season. I have seasons for my shows. Um, the first season was basically just interviews with people in social media. And the second season, like, uh, for instance, Chris Brogan, you know, was my first episode. Uh, Dave Jackson was on it. I just had people that had information I wanted to learn, basically. You know, I interviewed Chris Green from, he's a big, big Amazon seller. He does like $100,000 every two weeks on Amazon. And I wanted to learn Amazon, so I had him on my show. That's basically what the Gary Leland show started as. I mean, if I call Chris Green and say, hey, I want to learn about Amazon. Can I have an hour of your time? And you teach me all your stuff. He's probably going to tell me no. But because I wanted to have him on the podcast, he not only spent an hour with me answering all my questions, he wanted to come back on the show again. He had so much fun. That's what season one was. And season two was the WooCommerce season because I was learning WooCommerce. I was moving all my stores to WooCommerce. So uh, again, I needed information. So I had people on about WooCommerce that could help me uh, learn a little bit more about WooCommerce. Uh, Now moving into season three, I guess for the first time, I'm not like taking, I'm giving. So I'm having people on the show. We want the show to eventually get to a five day a week show, but we've come to the conclusion it's going to start out at one day a week. And it's where people can come on my show and ask a business question. And I'll try to take my 30 plus years of business knowledge and help them out. They have eight minutes uh, as a timer on. We'll have eight minutes to discuss their questions. So it's not a, most shows like this are Q and A question and answer where someone sends in a question and you answer it mine's going to be q and d question and discussion where someone comes on the show and be uh, instead of just sending me a audio file they actually come to the show and uh, ask me their question and we discuss it you know i give them my answer what i think and then they can take it and have a second question or a rebuttal or whatever they want to do but it's question and discussion any business question. And if I don't have the answer, I'll get an expert on the show as a third host to answer their question. 
But I've been doing this 30-some years. I pretty much got a lot of this down, you know, so I should be able to be okay. But I this seemed like a good idea to do. We'll see how it goes. We'll start putting up episodes in September. And right now they can go to uh, GaryLelandShow.com and on the front page there's a form they can fill out and it'll attend to me with their question, their website, and stuff like that so we can decide who to, who to go with. You know, if they ask a stupid question like, you know, how come I'm not successful? I really can't help them there. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, that's kind of a self-discovery type of question. Please correct me if I'm wrong here, but in 2006... Time Magazine puts you in the top 50 coolest websites ever. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And our category was technology. You know, uh, we had us. YouTube was in there. Facebook was in there. Photo Bucket. I, I can't remember who else. But I figure I didn't. I'm not very successful in life. All those companies that were in there became billion dollar companies, except me. <laughs> so, well, you, but you still have I, to I, feel I, the I, honor of being included in that. It's a nice thing to be able to say, you yeah. know, it gets a lot of, uh, it gets a lot of like, oh, wow, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it builds a credibility factor. Let's put it that way. Time magazine is one of the go-to publications. And then to be able to put your name, solidify your name in that magazine at any given time. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was, we were pretty excited at the time, but that was 10 years ago now. So yeah, well, yeah, but um, 10 but years was, is a, is a blink. That's true, when you hit 60. Now, fast forward from that 10-year mark. Now we go into 2016, and you're inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. What was that uh, that experience like? Uh, well, I didn't mess my speech up when I was up there. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, guess. I, was, I was giving Mignon and Fogarty. Now, here you go. Here I am. I go ahead and write my speech like three weeks ahead of time and memorize it, okay? Because I, I didn't want to like have cards to look at. I wanted to actually look at the people I talked to. And Mignon, photography friend of mine, she's up there. I see her at four o'clock that afternoon. Over in the corner, I go, what are you doing? She goes, I'm thinking about writing my speech. <laughs> I'm going, you're writing your speech now? I've had mine written for two weeks and memorized. She goes, no, I'm just going to write mine. And she's a cool, cool, cool cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> but it was certainly an, an honor to, uh, to be in there. I mean, you know, there's only 11 people so far in there since it's only been two years and I think two of us to Texans. So, um, big shout out there for Texans. <laughs> well, definitely the fact that there's only 11 in there right now, I think that's probably about perfect because we are such a young industry. When you, when you look at the, the overall picture to have 11 people in there right now, uh, people like yourself, it really it, it it just stands to tell people, hey, this is something that you can go for. This is this is a true, honest industry now. It, it's not something that you can just. It's it's kind of jumping out of that hobby hobby cast phase, I think. Yeah, there'll always be people who will try to keep it into that description that don't think of it as real media. Probably, I would think for a long time to come. But um, I think it's personally great media it's uh you know, it kind of reminds your story back in 2000 maybe 2006 2007 bbc went to me on podcasting and so i had to get like three or four in the morning you know for the time change and uh they're interviewing me and they made it they asked the question well do you think this podcasting will really take off and really last 
And I, I answered, not even thinking, saying, yeah, I haven't listened to a radio show in, gosh, almost two years now. I saw I listened to her podcast. And they said, thank you very much for the interview. And that was the end of the interview. <laughs> I guess that was not the kind of word they wanted to spread it out, being a radio station. You know, <laughs> that I don't listen to the radio station anymore. Yeah, they're looking for that. It's not going to go anywhere. Radio's the king, and it'll always be the king. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that definitely they didn't want to be pushing that message. Yeah. Do you have any advice for maybe that new or future podcaster that you learned over your, your years of, of podcasting? Yeah, don't pay any attention to your stats. You know, I mean, unless you're being judged by a boss on how many listeners you have or where they're at. If you're doing it yourself, just do it. If you do it and you put out good content, sooner or later it'll get acknowledged. So many times I think people look at their stats, they get bummed out, and they may quit a good show just because they don't see their stats moving fast enough. You know, they get upset I only have 500 people listening to me. My gosh, I'm in a room with 500 people once a week and said, talk about whatever you want to, and they're going to love hearing it. You'd think that was a great deal. But for some reason, people don't think they're too concerned with their stats. So don't pay any attention to your stats. Just do it. And if you like doing it, keep doing it. If you don't like doing it, quit doing it. That's all I say. Well, thank you very much, Gary. If if people want to listen to you and learn more about you, how do they find you? Well, uh, like I said, they can listen to my new show at GaryLelandShow.com or they can keep up with my blog at GaryLeland.com or we got one more site because we have so many people ask what we do. We made a website that only shows what we do. That's all that's on there. At Leland's.org. It just shows all our sites. Because we've got, like, I think coming out with our 19th book now. We have eight podcasts. We have maybe 25 e-commerce sites. We have another 20 just uh, blog sites. So we do. I do a lot of stuff. So that's what that one does. It shows people what I do. Well, Gary, it has absolutely been a pleasure to sit down here and talk to you. There's so much more uh, that could be said here. And go over to his sites. I spent over two hours on his sites yesterday looking up information and it was like information overload so check this out and and listen to the gary leland show and go back and listen to the archive shows of his other shows because there's so much value in in what you can learn just listening to the way these shows are done thank you very much gary i appreciate your time today hey thanks for having me on i enjoyed it completely Thanks for listening to Raw and Real with your host, C.J. Ripka.